This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. And now Garver drives it to center. Going back is Nimmo. That ball is off the wall and away from Nimmo. Garver rounding second. Now they're calling it a home run. Garver going to third, and he will break DeGrom's scoreless inning streak with a solo home run. Out of the gap in left center field. This is deep and gone. Garver goes deep again. That's hit well to left center field. Deep to the gap, and gone! Jonathan Scopes first as a twin. And the lead grows to 7-3. To, to the gap, and deep! Scope has hit his second tonight. This one with two men aboard. And Jason Vargas is getting pounded here in the ninth inning. As he should. Those highlights courtesy of Fox Sports North. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. For all of you concerned with my health and well-being after attending the Allianz Field Food Tour today, I am well. I am sitting up. I am here. I am alive. I am breathing. Judd Zolgad is here. Is that an IV? Phil Mackey is here. <laughs> Shh. It's radio. We need to tell him everything. <laughs> we got a lot to get to on the show this afternoon. Jason you don't Stark look super well. From The Athletic will join us at 420. Well, what's new? What do you mean I don't look super well? I this, mean, you don't look... This is my face. You, you, don't look, <laughs> you don't look as bad as you did after the Twins food tour at Target Field, but you look fatigued. Yeah, I'm fatigued for sure. The portions are, were more reasonable at the the Allianz Field Food Tour okay. than they Except were the at the Target Field Food Tour. Yeah, those nachos, Ooh. which I'm not mad at them. No, they, I'm that not. was like like everything. Okay, so the Target Field Food Tour, everything was probably like half the normal portion that you would get if you bought it on a game day. This was like a quarter portion for the most part, except for these nachos that that Jonathan is talking about. It was like a full serving yeah. of nachos. Judd, I was just telling Rami, I'm not mad at him. I think Rami and I suffer from the same issue, which is. Like, because you've mentioned portions and like, I'm at the mercy of how much is on the plate. Right. Sure. I yeah. will eat everything on the plate. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not really about like, my own self-control. I, it's how much food did you put in front of me? Especially if I'm in a situation where I know I can't take it home. Like I was today. Like, I'm not going to ask for a box at the Allianz Real Food Tour. That would be like, can I get a doggy bag? Can I, can, can I get all this to go as well? That would well, be was, weird. There was one guy who had a box, like a cardboard box that he was carrying around. Are you stuff. serious? I saw one guy with it. From really? the media? That's, I don't know who he was. Was it Larry Fitz? <laughs> He's done that before. He's done that before. 
I love it. it I'm just saying. I saw Larry Fitz pull up to Winter Park. Phil Mackey, Larry. He told me this story, and I could not believe it. And I'm not even ripping him. It's a legendary move. That, dude, this is a baller move, what you're about to really describe is. right here. There's free pizza for media going back years mm-hmm. on Wednesdays, uh-huh. previously at Winter Park, and now at the TCO CPO Performance Center. And Larry Fitz rolled up, left the car running one day, grabbed a box, Walked out, hey, went home. He's and media, it's, and it's legendary. Are there written rules? Are there written rules? And there was a lot of sit, pizza you have, that you have to sit in the media center and eat it. I think not. There was a lot of pizza to be had, Rami. I think not. I will it's a baller move, man. I will say this because my guess is soccer is not the same. My contention is baseball is trying to kill its fans too with food. <laughs> like when you see the concoctions at ballparks, you're like, okay, that's going to go right into an artery, and you're yeah. going to have a coronary. My guess is soccer, well, probably not the healthiest food, is healthier than baseball. Like, well, baseball's had, trying to actively think up ways to kill people. Well, they've had very different foods than I've seen at a stadium Yeah, Jonathan before. took the food tour with me. You can see it all at Score yeah. North on Twitter. And it was a lot of fun being out there with Jonathan. But, yeah, it is diff. I mean, look, Target Field was was great. I really I, I enjoyed food, food day there, but... Allianz Field, through hiring some like top, like literally top chefs, a guy who was on the TV show Top Chef, they've taken stadium food to a whole nother level. You have to check out the food tour Jonathan and I took took today at Score North. What should on I get? Twitter on Saturday. I'm going. What should I get? The Handsome Hog Carolina pulled pork oh, sandwich. Goodness, from yes. just and it it was made by Justin Sutherland, Top Chef alum. It is amazing. It was so good. I wish I brought. You know what? I have a picture of the menu if you guys really. Want to hear more about it? Oh, handsome yeah. talk. <laughs> talk, oh, yeah. talk slow and soft. Oh, yeah. What was the Indian thing we had? Because that was actually uh, pretty good. And I'm not Bar- an Indian guy, but Tikka that was... Masala. Tikka Masala from uh, Hot Indian. And that was that was amazing. That was so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get that bun out. Heat that bun up. <laughs> what? No. No, stop. No. This just turns way creepier than it needed to. Put some sauce no. on that. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I, I'm just envisioning like Judd, walk, Judd walks in. There's rose petals on the bed. Judd walks in with the robe. Yeah. Yeah, girl. You sent out, you sent out an email today talking talking about the credentials for Saturday, and at the end you just said, Don't embarrass us. Judd, don't embarrass us. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe I can't help it, okay? Amazing. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> oh, what a start. Transition. Right. Welcome. We are Mackie and Jeb with Rami. If you're still listening, thank you. Uh, gentlemen, Jacob DeGrom is one of the best. Is it fair to say he's one of the best starting pitchers in baseball? Like, yes. forget about the the win loss record thing. I mean, that whole thing from last year. I didn't realize he had a twenty six quality start streak going. Yeah, that's insane. And the Twins destroyed him it last was, night. Yeah. It was reminiscent of, and actually, Glenn Perkins' cheap plug on the last week's Glenn Perkins on Baseball show, the Scornoff Twin Show. He detailed how the Twins roughed up Chris Sale three or four times two or three years ago when he was with the White Sox. And Chris Sale had like a one-and-a-half ERA against the league and a nine ERA against the Twins that season. And and Glenn detailed how they picked up his changeup. He was tipping his changeup, and so they were just sitting on off-speed pitches and destroying him. And at the end of the year, he finally figured it out, and they 
iron things out. Like last night reminded me of that. There's no way you just tee off on Jake DeGrom at random, right? He's not just having an off night. They must have picked something up, but I mean, they've now beat Corey Kluber. They beat Jake DeGrom. They take pro at bats up and down. And I started making a list because the, because the premise that Rami and I agreed on before the season started was the twins can punch with the Indians and the twins can win this division and they shouldn't be looked at as just an also ran in the American league central that this year can be the year in which they take over the American league central. And I know it's only been two weeks, but think about all the things that have happened on the good side for the twins and the things that have happened on the bad side for the Indians, right? The Indians have to start their season without Francisco Lindor. Mike Clevenger's out for weeks now with an injury. So they lose one of their best starting pitchers. The twins are beating guys like Jake DeGrom and Corey Kluber without Miguel Sano in the lineup with with Nelson Cruz basically not playing for a week because it's National League games and, and he's a DH. Kepler, Polanco, Buxton have all had, at least in the first two weeks, I know it's a small sample size, have had the light bulb go on offensively and have been three of their best productive hitters. Garver last night. Garver. Two home runs. Right. Barrios has been an ace to this point. And uh, the Twins' bullpen has been sneaky good. So I'm not crowning them after two weeks, but if you start to make a list of all the things going right for the Twins and all the things that the Indians you know, either need to improve or can't improve, and uh, it's it's a great start. Because there's been some bad starts for the Twins that have wiped out the season, and they are now 6-3 and three against some real tough pitchers. Do you think this puts them on, on the radar for, for baseball people and around around the league doing that to a guy like DeGrom? It should. I think with with what Phil just, just spelled out, with Cleveland too. Because they're, if you take Clevenger out now, so here, here's my question too. If Clevenger's going to miss, what, eight weeks at least? Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. pick up a baseball. That's not, that's not come back in, in eight weeks. That's pick up a baseball again in, in eight weeks. With the lack of things that Cleveland has done, are they going to get to a point in June and or July where they start to say, you know what, we could trade Bauer or Kluber for an absolute ton. Can I so add to it, that? So in some in some ways, uh, it's not just that they're not that great. It's that it's that they've gone cheap and they might just bail. Let's add some other teams to this too. The winds of change in the American League. The Red Sox. So if you're just looking at teams, you have to slay to play in October, and your division is one path, mm-hmm. and then wild card would be another path. Mm-hmm. Well, the Red Sox were on that list. They are three and nine to start the season. With a minus twenty eight run differential in a tough division, like you know, they've got off to a couple slow starts in years past where they've turned it around and they've gone on to win ninety games or whatnot. But that's a terrible, horrific start for the Red Sox. But how many games in? And maybe this is a good good question for Jason Stark from the Athletic when he joins us at four twenty. How many games in for you guys to be convinced that a team is what it is, for better or worse? So we're talking about the Red Sox doing less than what most people expected them to do. We're talking about the Twins doing more than what a lot of people outside this room and outside the city maybe expected them to do. At what point do you go, yeah, that's that's the real Twins or that's well, the real Red Sox? For I, me, it's about 40 games. Okay, I would say two-part answer. If the first X amount of games are in contradiction to what you thought, I need like 60 games. So if, if it's a team you thought was going to be bad and they're off to a hot start, okay, prove it over 60 games and see if you're still alive as we get closer to the trade deadline. If you're just validating what we already thought about you, I would say 30 or 40 games. Like, I don't need to see a... If we thought you were going to be good and you're good in the first month or so, I don't need to wait another month to say that 
you're not that good. The Yankees, another team on this list, the Yankees are 5-6 and six off to a, a fairly poor start. Everybody's hurt, and, the, and Luis Severino's not picking up a baseball till June. They've got 11 guys out, I think. The Yankees are in shambles yeah. as far as guys be, being hurt. I, I think with Boston, with Boston, I think they, they very well might be fine. But when you do come back to the Central, th- this is intriguing. Because if Cleveland decides bleep it, we're out. Okay, now you've got the White Sox, who I think might creep up and be decent, but but they're a year away. I think right. Detroit's going to regress. Like Detroit, there's there's no way Detroit, you one would think would be successful. Kansas City, I think, is a dumpster fire. So the division becomes very intriguing if Cleveland decides, you know what, we didn't do much, and now we're done. I mean, fire it up. I love old-timey baseball tunes. They're the best. Oh, I know. Well, and and if we can find it, they actually did like a 70s disco of Ooh. this one, too. Can you oh, find man. that one? I don't have... Is I that on the button bar? Remix? It oh, used to be on the button bar, yeah. Oh. Sort give me, of a, give me a minute. circa 1978, let's jazz this up. While Phil looks for that, um, I said when the season started that I looked at Cleveland's complacency, their lack of activity in the offseason... And while a lot of people saw it as being confident, maybe overconfident, that there was that much distance between them and the rest of the division, I looked at, at first of all, the inactivity, but also the rumors that did swirl around them, which was that Bauer was on the market, that Kluber was on the market. And to me, those actions say, and this is just me inferring my own meaning to them, I could be completely off on this, mm-hmm. but it looked to me like a team that's teetering on the edge of the decision of do we make one last run at it with these guys, and maybe if they're in it and and in the playoff hunt when the trade deadline rolls around, they add and do make one last run at it, or maybe they're thinking about do we sell and do we tear this whole thing down and start over, start another rebuild all over again? And I said if if the Twins can get off to a hot start and the Indians get off to a slow start, that'll make that decision and tip them over one way or the other real fast. I think that's I think that's an organization that on some level is 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 close to I don't know if they know exactly where but close to throwing in the white throwing in the towel on the division race and looking to the future and and handing it over to the Twins or whoever the next team of the future of you the AL Central might be. It's the cheap Dolans. That could be it too. <laughs> the cheap Dol- those Dolans don't spend. But Phil, are you saying that the whole AL is opening up right now for the for the Twins? Well, are we going farther than well, the Central? Not, Se- not Seattle. My God, they oh, don't lose. Like put it this way, the, <laughs> team, like the teams that are off to if if a team that was supposed to win a hundred games like the Red Sox is off to a three and nine start, I'm not saying they don't make the playoffs. I'm saying, I mean, they're pro- maybe they're not a 100 win team anymore, and they come back to earth and they're in the mix for you to to pick off. The teams that are leading the divisions right now in the American League are Tampa Bay at nine and three. And they were a 91 team last year. So Tampa Bay's, they're a legit good solid team, but they're not like a pull away from the pack team. Uh, the, the Tigers at eight and four, not a playoff team. And then the Mariners at 11 and two. Let's see what happens. That's a team that yeah, I, don't I don't think believe. went into the year thinking, oh, yeah. The but they were pretty division. good for close to 100 games last year. Right. That Mariners team was playing really good baseball. Everybody. Well, they, like they made, were trying to bail backwards. They made some trades, but. I think some of those trades had to do with what happened to them after those hundred games because remember they had a, like a brawl in their locker room they had they had a fight break out yeah. in their locker room it and happens. 
Yeah, but from then on, they really I fought you today. They really weren't the same. We weren't again. You keep on bringing up things we're not supposed to talk about. Those in the break room. I was tired of your act. I mean, you always get the free food. You saw an opening. I took a swing at you. You saw me sluggish after the unfair fight, John. That man is in a food coma, and you're going after him. How dare you? Oh, I never said I attacked. He saw weakness. (sighs) I think I may have found this. I'm going to click play on this and see what happens. So we're looking. This is this is the original, right? Yes. Okay, there's one in here that says Hall Brothers. Is that what? Is that? I don't know what. I don't know what that is. Oh, this, oh, this is, is a Dixieland. Yeah, one. this is good too, though. <laughs> oh, I'm not digging this. <laughs> what? Why not? Dixieland. This would be perfect before game just, outdoors. Is this just right? instrumental? I couldn't see. I couldn't see. Could like you a, see this outdoors? I could see a band outside no of Target roof, Field. No roof, of course. And I, no, they would be outside of Target Field. My stop the button does not work. <laughs> What if we had to play that the whole show? I'll tell you when it's done. I'll listen to it and jam out over here. Glorious. It might be interesting if we had to play that the whole show. Like we get a Jason Starks hanging out. (laughs) He loved that. Are you kidding? Stark would dig it. Uh, yeah, you got trivia. <laughs> We're doing hard hitting. I love the crack at five o'clock. Wah, 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 wah. The crack of the bat's the best though. That pseudo. Yeah, a little trombone solo there. Yeah, go get it, buddy. Yeah. I do oh, love man. when there's a band like this playing outside a ballpark though, like a sunny summer afternoon. Land action. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love when they're, especially when they're under a retractable roof. Personally, but we can talk about that later. Again, they would be outside the stadium. <laughs> the existence or lack thereof of a retractable roof is irrelevant. Uh, Jason Stark be there. <laughs> from the Athletic and MLB Network, and he's got trivia he's working on for us to make us look stupid, which doesn't take a whole lot on a weekly basis. And if you're interested in more Twins discussion, since they are off to a great start and they're beating pitchers like Jake DeGrom, you can find the Scornorth Twins show five days a week on demand. If you want to find it, Scornorth Twins show, just search it wherever you find podcasts and you'll find five different episodes Monday through Friday. The Score North Twin Show on Mondays and Wednesdays. Roycey on Baseball on Tuesdays. Glenn Perkins on Baseball on Thursdays. And Five Thoughts on Fridays. You can also find it on the radio or on the live audio stream. Uh, today's episode was uh, 1 o'clock. And you can find that every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock will be Glenn Perkins on Baseball. Okay, cheap plugs out of the way. Let's talk about the meaningful plugs here. Like Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Well, it's uh, it's not very nice outside. We had kind of a false start spring, which I feel like has been the case the last few years. So uh, if if you're a little bit down in the dumps and you're looking for something to raise your mood levels, why don't you stop by in the next few days, maybe even tonight, if you're just looking to get out of that uh, disastrous traffic near the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and check out one of these brand new 2019 RAV4s. We're talking about the most popular vehicle on the planet right now, the RAV4, you can lease one for just $299 a month with $1,500 down. That's an excellent deal. And uh, and you get to sit in a spacious SUV with handling like a Camry or a Corolla and drive that thing around. And you know what? It's got four-wheel drive, too. So, I mean, if you're dealing with the snow, it shouldn't be much of an issue. Corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd with Rami Jason Stark next. Scarves up. Listen up. It's Minnesota United Soccer. Listen to all the excitement of the world's game on Score North. 
Saturday, April 13th, 4 p.m. Home against NYCFC. Pre-game at 3.30. Hear all the action on Score North. ScoreNorth.com or the Score North mobile app. United is how we play. Minnesota United Soccer on Score North. All right, thank you, what Jonathan Harrison. <laughs> Oh, I just thought the traffic might take the entire segment and we just throw it to break. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Jason, no time for you. <laughs> and that's, it's snowing in the Twin Cities. And that was Jason Stark and yeah. no one is moving. I just looked up and you guys are just, just staring big eyes at me. Jason Stark from The Athletic and MLB Network. And we're going to make you wildly uncomfortable here. By I just want to read the first two or three, uh, like the first five sentences from your column on theathletic.com about managers quick. And uh, and then you can tell us. Well, I'm just going to read this and ask you a question. So you wrote the long time, a long time front office man sat in his team's dugout one day last season, eyeing the dugout across the field. The topic was the two men who would manage the baseball game to be played there that night. Quote, our guy is a manager, he said, then paused. Their guy is a middle manager. So what is the difference right now in baseball between a classic manager, and a middle manager. Yeah, well, what he was referring to, uh, we were talking about the game played the previous night and what might happen that night, was, all right, a manager is Gardy, Tom Kelly, you know, guys who were empowered to run their team their way. And a middle manager, um, I would say he was... He would he would define this way: a guy who is handed a script by his front office or his data department or his analytics department before the game, and then manages the game that night according to that script or tries to. And so, there's no gut involved here. Right? There's no managerial experience to be drawn upon here. It's we like these matchups. We want to avoid these matchups. We want to we want to run the bullpen in this order, you know, that sort of thing. And I wouldn't say it's push-button managing, but it's scripted managing. I I don't think that we're at the stage where every team's doing it or half the team's doing it, but I do think a number of teams are doing it, and it's trending in that direction. And it really made me think about where managing is headed. How about you guys? Do you like it, Jason? It's different, but do you like it? You know, I'm I'm not one of those people who says, ah, oh, things were better in the good old days. The the thinking that is going on in baseball right now is the most interesting part of the game for me. But I don't like this. And, you know, I think that managing needs to always be a blend of all of it. Everything in baseball should be a blend of all of it. Um, and I've seen so many managers now in the last couple of years who have been there, who have done it, who are good at it, get pushed out of the game, all the way out of the game. And what do we, what, what do we see? We have 11 managers now who had never managed a major league game before 2018. And so there's a lot more scripted managing going on because they haven't done it. Um, I, I think we're underestimating the meaning, or at least the potential meaning, of having somebody in that job whose experience 
makes them understand that if I go to this matchup or this pitcher in this spot, <laughs> here are the ripple effects. Here's where it's leading. And to be able to see over that horizon. Are they managing any less, though? Because I would, I would imagine, Jason, that you know managers like, say, Rocco Baldelli, for our purposes here in Minnesota, even though it might be somewhat push-button once they get in the dugout and the game starts, they're in those meetings. They're heading up those meetings where they're coming up with that script and with that game plan and deciding how they want to put the information at their fingertips to use on the field. It's not like they're just handing him a script and saying, go manage the game, are they? Yeah, I think that's accurate, but I I do think that uh, they're I don't I don't want to pinpoint Rocco mm-hmm. uh, just because he's only done the job for two weeks. Sure. Yeah. But I do think that managers are being told, uh, hey, "Hey, we love this reliever on this part of the lineup, even if it's not late in the game. It could be the middle part of the game, and so they can't wait." to get themselves into that matchup. But then what? You know, then there's still nine outs to go or six outs to go and who are getting getting those outs. And when the game doesn't follow the script, things get messy. That's kind of what I'm referring to. I, you know, I did talk to a bunch of front office people for this piece. I wound up in the end deciding I was just going to use quotes from the managers, Terry Francona, Joe Madden, Bruce Bochy, Ned Yost, because they were so good and so thoughtful. But I, I did have a general manager say to me that there actually are more decisions now, not less, because of what you just said. It. Yeah. Uh, you can read the full, wonderful piece at theathletic.com slash MLB if you want uh, the deep dive on just the manager dynamic right now. Do you think the Mets had figured that they would have to replace Jake DeGrom early in that game against the, <laughs> the Twins lineup? Yeah, I think when they scripted that one out, they didn't see it. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm guessing no. And, I mean, so we, we all, you know, we led the show with this today and that if, if the Twins were to take over the American League Central, a bunch of things would have to happen. And I know it's only been two weeks, but the fact that, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, and Byron Buxton, the three young hitters that you need to break out, two of them were, were given long-term contract extensions as sort of, you know, hey, we believe in you still this offseason. And for those guys to tee off on Jake DeGrom, we're feeling pretty good about the Twins here after two weeks and wondering if we should, you know, what else should we be looking out for here in the American <laughs> League landscape? He didn't even mention Mitch Garver. I know. Two bombs last wrong. night. Been talking about him all day, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's become a decent catcher. I'm still trying to digest that game. Right, Jacob Baum hadn't given up three home runs in a month since last June, and then he gave up three and ten hitters, yep. two of them to Mitch Garver. Yeah. This can't be happening, but it happened. And, I, you know, I, I, I like the Twins. I, I really do. Um, I, I think there is tremendous potential in that lineup. And, hey, what Michael Pineda did was really encouraging. I don't think they're a perfect team, but I think they're in a league full of, with a lot of teams who are barely even trying, who are worse than them. There's a really short group of, of teams that are that, that's potentially good enough to play in October, and they're in it. Um, how how good, in your opinion, are the eleven and two Mariners? And conversely, in the American League, Jason, how bad are, are the three and nine Red Sox? Um, you know, the Mariners. I, I I don't think they're this. 
You know, they like yeah. they're, they're just not going to hit three, four homers every game, let alone five. Uh, I do think they're better than people think. They're not this much better. Um, I I think a lot of folks misunderstood what they were trying to do over the winter. You know, Jerry Depoto used that term, reimagine our our team. And, you know, they were, they knew that their core group was getting older. They knew that they had to get younger. They were trying to reconfigure for a time, maybe two years down the road, where um, the American League West looks can look potentially very different. Um, think, look at all the Astros free agents, for example. Um, and it turned out that they could do that and still be competitive. So that's what they are. The Red Sox, I feel sorry for them because I, I, I don't ever remember a defending champion that had a schedule like this to start the year. 11 games on the road, no off days, three time zones away. Um, but I, I am concerned about them because I think they're a reflection of why no team has repeated in almost 20 years. Think about how their starting pitchers were worked almost to exhaustion last October, you know, especially Sale and, and Evaldi and Rod- Rodriguez and Price and Purcello all work significant innings in the bullpen. It takes a toll. Nobody has figured out how to deal with the repercussions of that and that ro- that rotation. Think about how good they were last year. 0-8 with almost a 9 ERA. Wow. Talking with Jason Stark of The Athletic and MLB Network here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Jumping over to the National League. I don't know if you know this about me, Jason, but I'm a Cubs fan, Chicago native. How worried should I be? Things to see, seem to settle down for that bullpen in the last couple of games. And really, I mean, the offense, which was their Achilles heel last night when it all fell apart for or last season, I should say, when it all fell apart for them, they've been hitting the ball this year. It's just that they haven't been able to stop other teams from hitting the ball. How worried should Cubs fans be at this point? I think there's a lot to worry about, right? I think they're in trouble. Um, they scored double-figure runs five times in ten games, and they're three and seven. Uh, I mean, they're the only no other team in baseball has lost any games in which they scored in double figures, and they've already lost two. And I, I just worry about them because they're in the wrong league, they're in the wrong division, and I think they've got the wrong pitching staff. Their bullpen has almost a seven ERA, even after you know the last couple of games. Uh, the OPS against their starters is almost a thousand, and yet I can see the rotation stabilizing. I'm not sure how they fix the bullpen. Um, bullpens are volatile, and maybe that's going to be a good thing <laughs> for them because they're going to take they're they're taking chances on guys like Alan Webster and hoping that's the answer. But I'm worried. Jason, how is it that teams like the Cubs and even the Brewers right there in their own division who had a dominant bullpen last year but have had some injury problems to start this year, they've had some bullpen problems, and they're not the only two teams. How is it that Craig Kimbrell is still unsigned? This is mind-blowing to me. (laughs) It really is. He feels like the solution to every team's problems. Right. Doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, you get ten teams right now with bullpen ERAs over five. yeah, I was at the ballpark in Philadelphia last night talking to a lot of people about it, and it's really interesting because I think about spring training. Like the one thing you just can't simulate at all is how relief pitchers are used. They don't throw a meaningful pitch in spring training. They don't, they don't have the, the, the days where they get up three times and then they get in the game, or they don't pitch back-to-back or three times in four days. None of that happens in spring training. Um, Craig Kimbrell 
it's somebody's secret weapon. I can't tell you whose because <laughs> this isn't. He, I, he's not going to sign at some kind of bargain rate. He's not going to sign for a year unless it's a big overpay. He's still looking to get paid not just closer money, but elite closer money. I, and I just don't know who's given a guy three years and like $60 million yeah. in the middle of the season. I mean, that, so I'm on the record saying just on the Twins' behalf, because there was a rumor out there, someone reported, I don't know, a month or two, probably like a month ago, uh, in the middle of spring training, the Twins had offered three years, $45 million, and uh, they were one of the leaders in the clubhouse, but Kimbrell was holding out. And I said, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly give him, and this is early spring training, three years and $60 million. The The two things that would scare me off, maybe three, thing number one is, why does nobody want him? Uh, two, the last glimpse we got of him in the postseason was mostly a disaster. He walked everybody. Uh, there was hit by pitches. Uh, opponents had... Uh, a 380 on base percentage against him in the postseason. And then thing number three would be some of the evidence we've seen, Jason, of guys, pitchers who don't face live hitting in spring training. You don't just walk in and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're at the top of your game. So there, what, there might be a roughing up period too. And I, it, the further along you go, the less likely he is to get what he wants, I would think. Um, I agree. Now, what he wanted initially was six and 106. That's not happening. Yeah, it's aggressive. Right. But. But it gives you an idea of what the eventual price tag he would like to be and how much he's looking for per year. He's one of the greatest closers who ever lived. Uh, go back and look at his first half last year and tell me he can't still pitch. But that doesn't mean there's not stuff to be concerned about. You just mention a lot of it. Uh, walk rate is a big concern. Uh, it's been going up. Almost every year, he's still unhittable, but that delivery is a little odd, and he clearly lost his delivery last year. I know the Red Sox said he was tipping pitches, but I know for a fact that they also thought that he wasn't even picking up the target hmm. you know, until he, like a millisecond before he released the ball. And so it, it's going to take some work when and if you sign him, but it really bothers me that he's not signed. I think the, it, the the agent messed up here, but it is a sign of a system that's not working right. Chris Archer, sir, what are we to do oh. with, with a guy? Now, now <laughs> I'm all for make baseball fun, and, and I get that there's some people in baseball who simply don't like that, but Chris is a different cat because he wants to make baseball fun for himself, but if you watch a home run, he doesn't like that. So what what are we to do about guys who who essentially want a double standard applied, which is I can moonwalk if I strike you out, but if you hit the home run, drop the bat and run, or else I'm going to hit you. It, it, this is so confusing. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Thank you. You it really well. Um, I keep watching the Let the Kids Play commercial. Yeah. All right, which, uh, which the let's like, you can't selectively apply the let the kids play motto. <laughs> let them play, uh, except for that guy. I think, that, the, that guy I, think can't the, play. I think the Pirates are saying let <laughs> our kids play, just our kids. Nobody else gets to play. <laughs> like I guess in his defense, Derek Dietrich did watch that home run for a really long time. I got seven seconds when I watched it. That's a long time to stand at home plate. Um, 
So I, I, I understand where this comes from, but we, we, we've got to get everybody to let the kids play handbook. Yeah. What, <laughs> what, right by the unwritten rules, play? Jason. What, what, would, what, what would Chris Archer have done? Or some of the, I mean, Chris Archer's not even an old school soul, right? I mean, he's, what would some not of these dudes done if, in, if, if like the Joe Horn equivalent, where he hit, not only anticipates scoring, but hides a cell phone in the padding of the goalpost. You know, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if Bryce Harper pulls out a phone and calls somebody from oh, the batter's box? That. That'd you know, be great. <laughs> take a picture of it uh, while it flies out. I don't know. My I went to the bookstore. The unwritten rule book was out of stock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just I just don't know what to tell you on this. I, like, none of that made any sense. Yeah. Not to mention, he didn't get thrown out of the game, but he did get suspended. Right for yeah, for five it. seconds, Jason. Uh, the thing about it that confuses me the most is the the protocol that umpires have in a situation like that. So Dietrich watches the home run and then exchanges words with Cervelli while he's crossing the plates. Every the next time Dietrich comes up to the plate, everybody in both dugouts knows exactly what's going on and what's about to happen. You had Yasiel Puig literally standing on the top step waiting for exactly what happened. <laughs> Yet the umpire waits until Chris Archer throws at a man and then issues warnings to both teams. Why not issue warnings as soon as you know there is bad blood and something might happen? That's an excellent point. Um, there is the leeway to do that. Um, I, just given all that you just described, how did Chris Archer not get thrown out of the game? Yeah. Everybody knew what was coming. Like the, 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 didn't the Pirates... Twitter feed, uh, right before that at bat, tweet out a let the kids play. Yeah, yes. That's it, yes. Starring Chris Archer. Yeah. Everybody knew what was happening. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Jason, let's fire this up here. Weekly trivia with Jason Stark. We're one for one, but you lobbed us an underhanded spring training pitch, and we appreciate that last week. I, I did, and... Uh, I, I don't know where this one came from exactly, but I need help. But since we had a twin cycle the other day, I thought I would have some fun with baseball's least interesting feat when guys are a triple away from the cycle. Okay. Okay, now the only two twins <laughs> in the history of the franchise who have had at least 15 games where they were at least a triple away from the cycle. That's the two you got to come up with. I got to games a triple away from the cycle. Got to imagine Joe Maurer is one. Am I, you guys, you guys with me on we'll that? Go with Joe sure. Maurer. Okay, sure. yeah. So Joe Maurer is yeah, one. Yeah, he was. Okay, yeah. okay. Seventeen of them. And there's one more. Yeah. Who was too? Did you say that Joe was not a, much of a triple threat then? Huh? Who was no. too slow? Who else is too slow? <laughs> to get the well, Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau hit a ton of doubles and a ton of home runs and had good batting averages. And my question would be, so he came in in 2004. Did he have enough of those between 04 and 2010? And I'm going to say yes, unless you guys call me off on that. You want to go with Justin Morneau? Kirby? Could it be Kirby? Could it be... Oh, man. I mean, Harmon Harmon Killebrew probably had a lot of... I was going to say, because Killebrew was definitely not a triples threat. Um, I want to say Kirby Puckett. All right. Did you hear the breath Jason took when I said Kirby Phil? Puckett? <laughs> Phil, do you want to go? Touched on something there. <laughs> Phil, do you want to go? Puckett? I can't. I think. I think it's Morno, but I can't die on this hill because I'm guessing too. So okay. let's go. Let's go with your gut here. Okay, Ryan. so we're okay. gonna go Joe Maurer and Kirby Puckett, Jason. This is amazing. You got it, man. You got it, Robin. Robin got it. Yeah, 
buddy. Yeah, you could tell. Right. Yeah, you could tell when when Jason was like, uh, mm-hmm. "That was yeah, that was a tell." Gave it away, Stark. That was a tell. The new guy's pretty bright here. Really? I'm not, not even going to breathe from that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who was right behind it was that Tory Hunter. Oh, really? You know who's next is Willie and Zastadio. Yeah, he's going to be. He's the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> is he ever going to triple? I don't know. You know what? Knowing him, absolutely. It'll be glorious, too. He'll like somersault on the third base. He, does, he just does like the, the gymnast backflips from yes. second to third base. Like it. It'll be great. He, he did walk. It was tremendous, right? The only like oh. the only walk of his of yes. 2019 includes him falling down, taking a swing. <laughs> and he, so he struck out last night, but he claims it was a pitch in the dirt. He claims he foul-tipped it, and I tend to believe Williams Estadio. He makes contact with everything. Of course, so. he never lies. I believe yes. everything the man says. Jason Stark from the Athletic and MLB Network. Great stuff. And uh, people go read. It's a it's a great look into the evolution of manager duties on the athletic.com slash MLB. Jason, we'll talk next week, man. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Thanks. All right, good stuff. Jason Stark, one of our favorites. Oh, I feel really Dude, good about you, myself after that. You just you're two for two. You How just proved that? yourself in a big Thank way you. in that segment. Appreciate it. Thank you. Because there's a lot of times where I would Judd not have, go back and forth. I would not and, have picked Kirby. I want to be there. The Mauer one makes perfect sense. I would not have picked Kirby for that. Yeah, I, I, just, figured, I just figured longevity and the extra base hit power and not the greatest speed in the world, especially when later in up, his career. Yeah, I was going to say, when, when he came up initially, he had some speed. He, he was not that big. So, yeah, I would not have picked Kirby. Good, Nice work. There. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Full stomach, too. Mm-hmm. We still have to get to the, the Timberwolves are back at it again. <laughs> So we'll talk about that uh, pretty soon here. Doing both things. In other news on this Wednesday, Mackie and Judd with Rami, all new Score North. And Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to make sure, especially on days like today, that we're all driving safe. We got snow back on the ground. It's bumper to bumper out there. And uh, the, to be honest, the human brain is actually incapable of focusing on two tasks at one time. We think we can multitask, but really what we're doing is diverting attention from one task to the other. And uh, some facts on distracted driving from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration may start to sway you if you're either looking to be distracted in your car or if you're just subconsciously distracted. 3,450 people died in distracted driving accidents in the U.S. in 2016, just a few years ago, the last time the surveys came out. 391,000 people were injured in accidents involving distracted drivers. So let's pay more attention on the roads and let's do our part to make sure everyone makes it home safe today, especially on a day like today. Federated insurance. It's our business to protect yours. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. It's here's your traffic update brought to you by blank. Yep. It's snowing. Go get a cocktail. Remember, uh, my girlfriend made, she made a write that down prediction that eventually Jonathan would just say, bleep it. There's traffic (laughs) everywhere. Yeah, it could happen. Give her the point. Give her the point today, it Jonathan. Might happen today. <laughs> Do it today. All right. It might just happen today. Are you going home? This is just, yeah, I'll go home. Okay, because I was going to say it's you, gonna you take basically me seven hours. Well, you live in I'll Iowa. That's all. I'll get home. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you the know you can move closer. This, I progressively live farther and farther away. Yes. Yeah, what are you living soon in I'm Kansas gonna, for? Yeah. You? Soon I'm just going to live in Texas. Well, you know what? You'll be the smartest person on the show if you do. Yeah. I might consider going a little further out to Arizona for spring training purposes, but, you know, whatever. Um, we're going to get to the, the Timberwolves, who are setting out yet again to hire someone to save their franchise at the top of the next hour. But, Rami, you found a really interesting story about a tech experiment to change football forever. Have you guys heard about the YCF? No. Okay. 
the YCF is this traveling band of misfit football players that they say it's not a football league. I'm just going to read you right from the ESPN article a little bit. YCF is part football, part gaming, part fantasy, and allows fans to decide how an actual in-progress game is played as if Madden came to life. So every Monday night for four weeks in the spring, fans get notification at 8 p.m. to open the YCF app. As the game starts, they are given a coach-selected bundle of three plays to choose from. They're presented in typical play formation sketch like you'd see on Madden or Tecmo Bowl or whatever the case may be. With all the idiosyncratic names football fans know, and each fan has 10 seconds to decide what the team's offense should do next. And then uh, the game is free to play. There are cash prizes into the tens of thousands of dollars. Fans are awarded points when they select what the coach wanted and when their play selection is successful. And fans who don't pick with the majority are awarded points when the majority chosen play results in a negative play, like a sack or an incompletion. At the end of 10 seconds, the play is transmitted to offensive coordinators on the sideline, wow. radioed into the huddle from start to finish the whole sequence until the huddle breaks takes 19 seconds. So do the coordinators do any actual coordinating? I guess they come up with these plays. That- so they get the playbook. Yeah. Okay. They they I guess they're the ones that says coach selected plays. So they select oh, okay. the three plays that the fans have to choose from if you're sitting at home playing along. Okay. But the but the but the coordinator isn't actually saying we're going does the coordinator override or is it no, 100% no. fan? It's fan the fans drive it. <laughs> and if you if, So majority majority rules what the play is then and but if you're not in the majority and the play fails you get points. Yes. Okay. So you're basically betting for or against the play. Sort of sounds like fun. On every play. So honest question. If the Cleveland Browns had implemented this strategy <laughs> between 1999 and, and this last year, sure. would they have had more wins in certain I mean, it seasons? couldn't have been worse, could it? They had one win for two seasons. I don't, it couldn't have been much worse yeah. than what Hugh Jackson was doing. Yeah. there. I, I will say this. There are a lot of a Madden players. I'm not saying that you could just pluck a Madden player out to be an offensive coordinator or a head coach of an NFL football team where – Human dynamics and leadership and all those things play in, but if you had a, an expert Madden consultant sitting right next to you for game clock management oh, and yeah. even play calls to some extent, yep. I think it, I think it would be valuable. I really do. I, th- I think if you had someone like just the most expert Madden player as your should I call a timeout or how should I manage the last four minutes of a football game in your pocket right next to you and say, all right, hey, little little, uh, I was going to say Johnny, but it's probably more like you know Channing or something. What are what are seventeen year olds named now? I really don't know, but like I think there'd be value in having a Madden Just keep consultant. Anson, Anson, Anson's not a bad name. No, I think that's a good one. Yeah, you can't trust a you can't trust a coordinator with two last names though. This will never come to the NFL. Obviously, they're not going to let fans pick plays in the NFL. But why not for a league like the XFL? Didn't we, didn't we have this somewhere else too? I don't, this is the first I've heard of it. I thought we had this in was it the original XFL? I don't think it was. It was I swear to. I swear we had this somewhere else hmm. where where it allowed you a brief period of time to to help decide a play for some you know godforsaken league hmm. a while back because oh. it would be fun. 
Oh, you know what it was? I think Brad Childress put up for vote. Do you want a swing pass to Tahi or a swing pass to Chester <laughs> It's third and 13. What place should we run to get four yards? Should we run to get four yards or should, or should we just have a little screen pass where the guy immediately gets tackled? Yeah, it was M- Musgrave said, hey, all right. Uh, the, yeah, who wants this check down option on third and 20? Okay. I kind of like the idea, though. I don't because. Of this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not ripping it. I mean, the talent and the quality of football probably isn't good enough to even make what they're doing worth watching the sport. But if you use this technology and this this system and, and this interactive facet with the fans in a league like the XFL yeah. that has a little bit more talent and a higher quality of play, but not quite NFL level, obviously, I think you could have a match there that might actually... Make the XFL work, which is something I said would be impossible. See, I think it'd be fun to implement this in other sports. Like, if you could have a little earpiece in the pitcher's ear. And tell them which pitch to throw. You get, like, you get to decide not only which pitch to throw, but if you're throwing at a guy's head, if you're, you know, like, you get to brush him back if you want to. Were you celebrating too much? <laughs> well, that would be chin music for you? Yeah. They actually have a batting cage somewhere. I think it's in Eden Prairie. And some friends and I went there a few years ago just to clown around, get a couple beers, and go to a batting cage. And you can literally, like... Because what goes better with a couple beers than baseballs flying at you? We should do this. We should do an athlete challenge. Because you can sit... So you go in the cage. Yeah. And it's one of those where the pitcher winds up on the screen. So it looks... And then the the ball comes out of his hand, so to speak. That's where the hole in in the batting cage thing is. But you can program, like if you're in the cage, I can sit behind it and program what pitch you get and how fast it comes in, up to 100 miles an hour for a fastball. What? So you can sit and you can you can throw 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, not at people, but over the plate, and then drop in like little 75-mile-an-hour change-ups and sliders and I was going to ask, can you program where it comes in at me? You can... Within reason. Like, you can throw it on the inner half of the plate, but you can't, I don't think you can turn it. Point it right at the person. (laughs) Like Happy Gilmore. (laughs) That's another athlete challenge. (laughs) You guys can do that. Mommy can do that one or Jonathan. I'm out on that one. I'm busy that day. I'm the food guy. I'm sorry. I have have my beat. (laughs) The Minnesota Timberwolves are at it again. Let's talk about it. Mackie and Jeb with Rob.